My name is Jared Altick, and I'm a chaplain with the police department. As a police chaplain, I see a lot of death and a lot of grief. If I get called out, it's because somebody's died. So I respond to the unattended deaths, the suicides, homicides, accidental deaths, natural deaths, and the ones where we just don't know yet. So I've seen all kinds of dead bodies, and I've stood in the room with a dead body, and I've waited for hours for the investigation to conclude and for the body to be picked up and transported to the coroner. So I've seen a lot of dead bodies, I've seen a lot of dead children, and I've seen a lot of traumatic deaths, suicides and accidents and grotesque mutilations and difficult things to look at. I've gotten to the point where if I can avoid looking directly at the gore, I do avoid it. Once you have seen one shotgun suicide, it's really not necessary to look again. There's nothing that is macho or brave about going and looking and, and investigating that if you don't have to. I have a lot of respect for our CSI techs who have no choice. They have to look and take photos and, and then work with those photographs. And yeah, that's, that's, that's a job I wouldn't want. A lot of those dead bodies are, are traumatic. But I also have a lot of secondary trauma, too, because I do death notifications. And when I'm at the scene of a death, sometimes I'm outside or in another building uh, dealing with the family. And those grieving families are distraught and emotional. They, they're at all different stages and levels of, of grief and shock and dismay. And, and it's, it's traumatic. There's a secondary trauma to, to deal with that. Also, I do counseling with police officers. And so they come and, and give me their trauma, and we talk about that. And sometimes a chaplain is kind of the trash can that all the other trash cans get poured into. Nevertheless, I've always rated myself pretty high for resilience. I have good resources. I have great support. I'm in a happy marriage. I come from a very safe and secure family. And in my adult life, I've always been around death. I've conducted funerals for 25 years. I, I, I do grief counseling. I, I have been around the dead, the dying, and the grieving for my entire adult life. As a chaplain, I would be in the room with a dead body, and then I would go home and go to sleep and not think about it. I never dreamed about the dead bodies that I would see. But then this summer, something changed. I was visiting my in-laws in Kentucky, and we were just away for a few days to go visit them, and we love them so much, and it's fantastic to go uh, spend time with them. It's funny, we often watch murder mysteries, usually British murder mysteries, at their house. And so I leave Kansas City and, and chaplain work with the police department to go watch British people kill each other. And so, but it's, but it's, it's in good humor and, and other fun TV shows. And, and uh, we, we enjoy that typically, but this time we were watching a different TV show and the show was not particularly gruesome. It didn't necessarily have anything to do with death, but I started crying. I got emotional. Uh, the emotion turned into, you know, tears that I was very, you know, discreetly trying to wipe away and maybe nobody would notice as everybody was watching TV but then I had this escalation where the, the emotional state turned into sobbing. 
and I couldn't control it and I couldn't stop it. And my wife and my in-laws, they were, they were concerned for me. My mother-in-law's a doctor and she, she's pretty savvy to these things. And she's like, are you okay? And, and, and I was okay for a while. I had uncontrolled emotion pouring out, but I was still okay until I wasn't. And, and for the first time in my life, I had intrusive thoughts. I had the image of a dead woman that I had seen, uh, an image of her corpse that was in my mind just as clearly as the television screen I was looking at. I could see her and I didn't choose to, I didn't want to. It just, that was coming back into my mind. And, and I hadn't thought about it since the day I was on that scene. And it wasn't that recently. And I had seen other dead bodies since then. I'd seen worse dead bodies. But that one, for some reason, was coming back. And I don't know why that thought was in there. That was upsetting to me. So I called a timeout. I said, okay, let's, let's stop watching TV for a while. Uh, it's summertime. We're out in the woods in Kentucky by the lake. I need to just go for a walk. And I need to get my phone and call somebody. And so I did. In fact, I called a few somebodies. Uh, the first somebody, I'm extremely grateful to him. I uh, was able to call from several states away, and and he had expertise to to walk me through this. He he's experienced. He he knows what he's doing. He was he was the right person to call, and and really helped me through this. I just told him the whole thing. I'm like, I'm not going to hide anything. This is a first for me and I need to get this all out. And here's everything I've witnessed and what I think I think about it. And, and let me just unpack all of this. And he talked to me for an hour and it was fantastic. Then I hung up with him and I called another friend, uh, again, several states away, but, but I was able to, to call and again, get some affirmation and, and look at, you know, what was unhealthy about the way I had been dealing with stress and uh, the way I had been dealing with, with the trauma and the secondary trauma that I've been exposed to in pretty large quantities. And, and he was great encouragement. And so after walking several miles and, and talking to these friends, uh, I made you know, some progress and got things under control. Now, going back to that TV show was still emotional for me, but I was no longer having the intrusive thoughts and, and calling for help changed everything. Uh, being able to admit to my mother and father-in-law, to my, to my wife, uh, my kids were, were in the, you know, in the house, being able to admit to them, boy, I, my emotions were in an uncontrolled state. And yes, that's not normal for me, but it's probably predictable considering the kind of things I've been exposed to. And I obviously reached a breaking point where I had to let all that emotion out that's difficult. There, there's like a pride that keeps you from wanting to admit that and for people to even see it. But as soon as I could say it, there wasn't any judgment. There wasn't anything shameful. The, uh, the, what I had imagined as being very difficult and, and that I would feel a tremendous shame if I were to say it out loud, all of that evaporated once I actually said it out loud. Everybody was very supportive. They're very understanding. Uh, everybody went and, you know, took a boat ride on the lake or something while I, while I did my walking and talking and, and we all came back and everybody was very supportive and helpful and, and it was good. 
it didn't feel like it would be, but but it was. And so it was good to talk. It was good to call for help. It was good to admit uh, that I need to take my own medicine. I tell my officers, you need to go talk to somebody. You need to talk to multiple somebodies. Go to a therapist. Talk to the chaplain. Talk to a counselor. Talk to a mentor. Figure out what portion of this you can take back to your spouse and have your spouse help you. Uh, there's just all these different levels at which we can get help, and and we probably need to attack it on several of those levels uh, simultaneously. But But what can we do to to fix what is gnawing at us, what we are trying to keep stuffed down and compartmentalized and just like, well, I'm just not ever going to look inside that box. Well, you can only do that for so long. And so you're going to have to look inside that box. You're going to have to open it up and find people who are safe to talk to. And that genuinely helped me. So I did that that day. I came back the next day, and of course, family all still want to, you know, are you okay? How are things going? Are you going to be okay to keep watching this show? And and they, you know, were able to talk a little bit further with me, and I could kind of pick and choose how much I was going to share with each of them and, and what was appropriate for, for that particular relationship or what have you. And and I was able to to then continue talking to people in the months since then. Now, as I've talked with folks and talked about the breakdown that I had and whatever, I've been asked several times, well, what was the show that you were watching? You know, were you watching some gruesome slasher horror movie? Well, no, it was nothing like that at all. Uh, in fact, it wasn't even the typical murder mysteries where somebody finds a dead body. You think that would be a trigger if anything would be, and that's, it's not. That, that doesn't bother me. The show I was watching was that show about Jesus, The, the Chosen. The Chosen is a fantastic show. And I tell you, the episodes that I was watching where I got really super emotional, they were not anything about dying or death or, or anything related to that. And I have questioned for months now, what was the connection? What was, what, what, why did that show trigger such an emotional outpouring from me? Why, why, did, why did some of the darkest things I had seen come to the surface in watching this show about Jesus? The Chosen is a very well-done show, and I'm not a big fan of a lot of, of religious TV and movies. Generally, I don't think they're done very well. I think that a lot of TV shows, certainly when I was growing up, a lot of the Christian productions were just very low budget, very poorly written, poorly acted. They, they weren't well done. And I think that is generally true of most religious art out there. It's, it's not very well done. That's not where the best art is happening. The best TV making, the best movie making is happening elsewhere. Well, The Chosen is different. The Chosen is extremely high quality. It's very well done. I keep watching it thinking, boy, if I was going to try to, to translate the, the Jesus of the Bible over to the screen, these are the stories I would use. This is the packaging. This is the approach. This is the context I would put it in. And, and here's how I would present it. And every time, it's almost like the Chosen had, had called me up and, and said, hey, how should we handle this particular story about Jesus? Well, that's um, every choice they're making. is just almost exactly what I would have picked myself. And so I'm very 
predisposed to to liking this. I mean, it's it's a it's a great presentation of Jesus, and Jesus comes across in that TV show as extremely compassionate, and you see his love for people, and that includes people who are different and broken and unaccepted by society. And I love that the actor keeps giving the actor who plays Jesus keeps giving people these incredibly good hugs. They are are so genuine and compassionate. You can just see it dripping in the performance how how compassionate Jesus is and and what a difference that makes to people. And so I think what the show triggered was that I had seen so many hopeless situations, so many grief-stricken, pathetic, just awful situations where there is there is no solution. There's no good answers. It's just tragic. I think it was the contrast. I think that this show about Jesus, The Chosen, I think that it kept showing hope for people who had no hope. These are people living 2,000 years ago, people who had you know, physical infirmities or, or they were outcasts in their society or, or they were alone in the world or whatever it was. And Jesus comes and speaks truth to them and gives them this incredible hug. And that hope moved me. And I think it was the contrast between his goodness and the hope that he was providing with the hopelessness that I see out in the world. I wholeheartedly endorse that show, uh, The Chosen. Uh, There's a fourth season that's coming out in the early part of 2024. And as soon as it's available, I'm going to watch it. Because, Because even though I think it'll still make me a little bit emotional, I think that seeing that goodness is also a good antidote to the grief, the grief and the despair that I see, that when I go to work, whether it's at the church or with the police department, I see so much negative that I need to know that there's hope. I need to know that there's goodness. Um, I need to know that that bad people can turn around and do good and and be rescued from their habits of doing bad. I need to see that. And and I get that when I read the Bible. Absolutely. I get that when I worship in church. But something about the medium of television, we're a television culture and a television generation. And it is speaking my native language to put that on the screen and especially to put it on the screen so well uh, to do it in a, a very um, effective and and professional way that this is this is as high budget and good looking as anything that you would get out of Hollywood. This this is really solidly done, well produced, you know, high production value. That speaks to me. I'm not distracted by by the bad acting or the cheap community theater level costumes and sets. I, I see something that's professional and high production value, and, and it speaks to me. So that's my story. I can't say that I have been unaffected by trauma and secondary trauma. I have absolutely been smacked in the face with it, and it came out when I couldn't control it, and I was ashamed and embarrassed at first, but going and talking to people 
when I stopped trying to hide it, it got better. When I just admitted, hey, I'm having a moment here, I need to reach out for help, everything immediately got better from that point forward. I haven't had any intrusive thoughts in the months since that incident. I, I feel healthy. I feel like I can, can help other people effectively. And I'm telling this story enough times now that I felt comfortable telling it to all of you and putting it on this podcast. If you feel the emotion, you know, bubbling right under the surface, um, I know it's hard to let it out. I know it's hard to face the people around you and, and have them see you be vulnerable. But let me recommend it. Uh, there's a time and a place, and not everybody needs to see you break down. But you can only hide it for so long before it starts to come out in some negative way that you can't control. And it may be more than just an emotional outburst. It may be some destructive behavior uh, that you know internally you're trying to compensate and, and adjust for what's going on inside. Let me encourage you, do what I did. Go call somebody. Go talk to multiple somebodies. You, you need to storytell your trauma and get it out. God bless you all. May you find the helpers that you need in your, in your hour of need like I did.